Good afternoon, good evening, good night, and welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we are here for the 27th edition of this third season of the Green Beige Podcast. AJ, how's it going, brother? Doing well, sir. Doing well. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got for now. I'm all right. <laughs> and yourself? Yeah, and not too bad. Um, this, you know, this is Colorado. This is supposedly spring, but the um, the Midwest is being hit with a snowstorm as we oh, speak. Oh crap! I didn't even know that. Yeah, boy, we had some we had snow showers last night yeah. into snow flurries today. I I drove to work in snow. I drove back home in snow. Outside it's quite cold, but it's not as cold as like right now. It says yeah. twenty seven degrees Fahrenheit yeah. on the um, on the counter. But it does not feel that cold, if that makes sense. It's, it does, it does. I get what you mean. It's really, really weird. I hope if yeah. you're sick that this cold weather does not filter over to you because Colorado is built to take the cold. Texas is not. We Yesterday we hit 90, today we hit about 85. I I know about any <laughs> snow coming here. It, it, it's starting to feel like summer already. Yeah, well, I mean... We'll see how it goes because next week, Monday, I'm going to be at 80 degrees Fahrenheit. But that's 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 the way it goes in Colorado. Yeah. We, we go from spring to summer, and chances are there'll be some snow right around the corner. <laughs> Sorry, huh? <laughs> Man, it is what it is. We have, we, we, all we can do is take it as it comes, right? True, true. All right, so this week, as always, you know, we like to go off the rip. Off the rip this week. Our episode is called Pink Slips and Champions because there's been, well, some champions crowned in the NCAA and a lot of pink slips have been handed out this season and I think it's about time we talk about it. Excuse me. Now, normally, we stick pretty closely to the gridiron, but this week has been pretty quiet on that front. So we move from football to the real football, you know, the one that's played with your feet to kick this week's show off. The English Premier League this season has been the gift that keeps on giving. And what it's been giving most of all are pink slips, pink like AJ shirt, or walking <laughs> papers. This season has seen the greatest number of head coaching changes in league history with 13. Three more than its former watermark of 10. Chelsea FC and Southampton account for four of those firings alone, having sacked their gaffer twice this season so far. Of the 13 men fired, seven were fired after February 1st, which is of itself a record. Of course, the rationale for these firings vary significantly because we have clubs from the relative top, middle and bottom that have let their managers go. We can't pick the bones of everyone who got sacked or we'd literally be here all night. But let's start with the most, as far as I'm concerned, disgusting of the lot. Chelsea Football Club, who has paid reportedly £25 million to Brighton to get Graham Potter and his staff out of their jobs and hire them to be his head, their head coach only to fire him before the end of the season. So, AJ, my first question to you tonight is, was this firing justified? 
It was. It was. And I know this argument, this discussion is going to take a different turn at some point, but I was, let me start off by answering that question. It was. He, he had to go based on how things were going. I, I know look, the reality is that 90% of the reason that Chelsea fired um, Potter when he did is because Nagelsmann was free and they want to go after Nagelsmann. He's more of a, supposed to be more of a, a, a golden child, a, a prodigy manager than Graham Potter was. It was kind of a weird decision to hire Potter in the first case, but again, we'll get into that. Um, that was that was a lot of it, but I think they had justifiable reason based on how results were going, based on the way Chelsea was playing. And let, let's be honest, even as a manager, tactically, Graham Potter did not cover himself in any sort of glory. So, yes, he deserved to be sacked. It, I mean, he came in during the season, so... Some people might say it's harsh, but again, he didn't do much to help himself. Um, so he had to go. It would have happened at some point. They just made the move when they expected to be able to get uh, what they consider a better candidate. So this particular question, I'm a little bit ambivalent on. Uh, <laughs> so we have a comment in the chat, Barbados. MUFC says, good night, Chelsea go through more men than Laurie Harvey. That is interesting to say the wow. least. Uh, wow. Yeah, so um, to Chelsea, I have some sympathy for Graham Potter. And the reason I have some sympathy for Graham Potter is Graham Potter had, I mean, first off, Chelsea... All right, let me start here because this is the one statement I need to make before I make all others. Chelsea is not a job that any manager who is looking to make his name should go to. Chelsea is where you go to collect severance. I have a statement that I make whenever they hire a manager. Severance is loading because they will get fired. It's only a matter of when. So to this particular situation though with Potter, Chelsea's um, philosophy has changed from what it has been recently with the change of ownership. Because, you know, Abramovich, he was their owner for a while. And because of this, this war in Ukraine, his position became untenable. He sold the club to Todd, I don't know how to pronounce his name, if it's Bailey, Bailey, I, I really don't know. Um... Barbados and UFC, he also adds sustainability and Chelsea don't go in the same sentence. Them and Spurs. We coming. We coming. Don't, we, we can get there. Don't worry. So, with Todd taking over at Chelsea, he decided that he was going to get rid of Tuchel. Tuchel was not his guy. This is what we see with ownership groups in NBA and the NFL all the time. They decide if they like the guy that's there or if they want to bring in their own guy they decide he decided he wanted to bring in his own guy that guy was Graham Potter but some clubs have sporting directors others do not Chelsea does not have a sporting director Todd calls all the shots in a lot of cases clubs that don't have sporting directors they allow their managers to get involved with the recruitment part of what they're going to do they get them to help scout or at least identify targets 
and then they go after the targets they try to integrate them into the squad and then they go from there aj chelsea bought about 50 players between summer and january there ain't a manager alive that will be able to get all of those players integrated into that squad and make them into a cohesive unit when um potter came in he did not have a preseason and with which to try to get the team to play according to his philosophy and then when he's working on tactics yes the results have not been there but the team has not been in a position that you would say that they're in danger of relegation but again we can we can get to that in a second mm-hmm. but you bring in all of these players for a, a coach who has just come from a smaller club dealing with a smaller close-knit group of players and expect him to make miracles happen it does not work that way in football we've been watching football long enough to know that that's impossible so potter was a dead man walking he shouldn't in fact no let me not get there yet i can pause here for a second and allow you to if you have a response to what i just said and then we could we could keep it moving no i mean i i kind of agree with that part with regards to like it it I did feel for him while things were happening because I'm like it. He was in a very precarious and almost untenable sort of situation. Like to to be in a position as manager where you have a host of new signings and some of these guys, based on the price tag, you have to play them. You can't sit them on the bench week week in and week out. So even if even if you don't start them week in and week out, you have to try to integrate them. The whole Mudrick and and all that kind of thing, right? Um, it, it it would have been it would have been a, a, a very difficult situation to maneuver for any manager. That's the point, especially as you said, having no off season to train with the team. Um, but I, in the end, I I think them changing direction <laughs> it just kind of signaled that Potter probably wasn't the guy. But you know what, we we heading down a particular road, so. <laughs> I just I, I was just saying I agree with your point there about it him being in a, a kind of difficult situation. But go ahead. We 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 come in, we come into the point. All right, no problem. I can I can learn it just now. I wanted to to just add one other thing on this particular point where Chelsea is concerned. Remember I just talked about how Chelsea Chelsea has a reputation of firing managers. Since 2000, AJ Chelsea's had 17 managers. Claudio Ranieri, Jose Mourinho, Avram Grant, Scolari, Hiddink, Ancelotti, Andre Vesbos, Roberto Di Matteo, Rafael Benitez, Jose Mourinho again, Steve Holland, Gusinink again, um, Antonio Conte, Maurizio Sarri, Frank Lampard, Thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter, and now Bruno Saltor. 17 managers since the turn of the century. That is ridiculous and yes um, <laughs> yes we we did see your first comment we 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 will not argue that one so no the second part of this this potter and thing potter and chelsea discussion is just should potter have been fired should potter not fired should potter have been hired should he have gone there in the first place should he have been hired no Chelsea should not have gone for Graham Potter after releasing Thomas Tuchel. And I know this is a a new administration, a new owner, everything. They shouldn't they shouldn't have moved on from Tuchel to Potter. That was a kind of it, it was a very 
weird and, and random decision to make at that point. It, it feels like they didn't necessarily do their homework on managers, but they were scrambling and they kind of like looked at someone who they figured, yeah, they'd be able to get after Tuchel was ousted. Because Tuchel and Boli had internal problems. That's a yes. lot of the reason why, why he left. It wasn't just on the field stuff. Is that Tuchel, Tuchel was basically bold enough to tell Boli, I, 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 he doesn't like what he's doing or he like, like certain strategies or whatnot. Cool. So it was like Boli had to flex some, some owner muscle, get him out. Then they couldn't really find anyone. They kind of scrambled, picked Potter because he, they knew he would be available. They shouldn't have hired, hired him. Should Potter have gone there? Yes. Yes, he should have. No, no, and you, you, we could mention like how many ever managers they had before. Granted, this is a new administration. So you, as, as many names as you mentioned, Todd Bowley hasn't fired that many people. He's fired one of those names, right? Mm -hmm. you, you can't necessarily put all of those on him. But the main thing is here, Potter should have gone because he, he, he has to bet on himself. No, you can look at it from just the, the manager standpoint, just like the X's and O's standpoint as a manager and like, all right, well, yeah, me being in this role, like, I don't think that Chelsea might be best because of what happens to managers and blah, blah. But managers don't really, like, people don't really think like that. People don't generally think like that. What they think is that they will be the person to go in there and get the job done. And, and the reality is, like, so I, I had this discussion a couple of years back, right? When we were in, during, during the, the, the pandemic times, and this was right before, when Chelsea uh, were about to sign Kai Havertz. And I had this discussion, and this is the same, I'm keeping the same energy as back then. I had this discussion with a couple of my bros, and they were saying that they believe that Kai Havertz should stay at Bayer Leverkusen. My response to that was, stay at Bayer Leverkusen to do what? <laughs> Bayer Leverkusen don't achieve anything. Like, I mean, as much as I don't like Tottenham because they don't do anything, Leverkusen does even less. In the history of this club, they've won a single trophy. So my point was that even if, even if Kai Havertz was to move there, it wouldn't end his career, but he needs to jump aboard the train of the big team when they arrive. He went there. Now, he, he hasn't been having the greatest time, but you know what he does have? A Champions League and a Champions League winning goal. So he's down in, in not just Chelsea, but European folklore, however you want to put it. You know what he wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, if he didn't move, what he wouldn't have had? Those same two things. Because he wouldn't have achieved anything at Leverkusen. This is the same concept I'm going with for Graham Potter. Stay at Brighton to do what? Brighton is always going to be a stepping stone and a feeder club. That's the thing. When you as a manager, when you get into, even as a player, when you get into this, this, this sector, basically, this job, this career path, you want to be on top. So whether that means earning the highest or it means playing or coaching at the highest level, there's no way Graham Potter wanted to stay at Brighton for the entire time, and especially in the three years that he was there, right? And this is, this is something I was looking at. In the three years that Graham Potter was there, he was able to bring in, with, along with his, man, with his owners, they brought in 14 players. Just 14. 11 of those they had to pay for. Um, most of them have now moved on, if I'm not, if I'm sure. Yeah, most of them have now moved on. The thing is, Brighton are never, were never going to be able to compete at, at, at a higher level. And um, Graham Potter, Potter brought them as far as they could go, essentially. 
he reached the apex of the rest of the league, basically, outside of the, the, that like, top six and barring like, one more team. And who else was going to give him a chance? Well, Arsenal job taken. Um, who was saying United jobs taken? Man City's definitely is. You, the Liverpool, you, you don't know what's going on, but as of now, it is. You can see it. It is taken, and then that leaves what? The scum? Like, come on! <laughs> no matter how, no matter, no matter how many, how many um, managers Chelsea fire in a space of time, it it still is a better proposition as a manager than going to Tottenham. Let's be honest. So, yeah, so the, exactly, exactly. So he didn't. It, it was more of an opportunity of a lifetime kind of thing for him. And I don't think that in all of this, it has ruined his career as a manager. So I, he, he will still get another job and he could still work his way back up to the top. But growth happens outside your comfort zone. The man had to step away from Brighton and take this opportunity. Even though from the opposite side, it wasn't the best decision for Chelsea. He had to try it. He had to. So here is where it's a, you and I probably will have our greatest disagreement on this show. Because when I look at Graham Potter, and you so eloquently explained what happened just before he got hired, etc. When Chelsea were looking for a manager, they were looking for someone that they could grow with, that they could build with, that they could create something with. Because, you know, the, the new thing, or the new commentary that we're hearing is that everybody's looking for the next Mikel Arteta. They want somebody, a young manager that they can put into a role and they can grow with him, that he can then take the team to new heights where we can be patient, we can allow him to develop and then we can see where this thing goes. That's why they went for Graham Potter because Graham Potter at the time what he was doing at Brighton, yes, he was, he had probably reached as high as he could have gone with that squad. But the fact still remains, he had a squad that was playing together, playing progressive football and winning games. Not to mention, Chelsea hand in Liverpool every single time that they pitched up down at their stadium. So, Potter was an attractive name. But, when I think of Potter, I remember another attractive name that was in that list of Chelsea managers that I just read out, Adria Vesh-Bosch. He was a guy who was a young manager developing and playing progressive football, winning games, doing very well in Portugal. They brought him over and he struggled. What has become of Vesh-Bosch since then? He ended up at the scum, Tottenham, as you said. I know he's out there pitched up somewhere in, in Russia, or in some far-flung place as a manager. My point is this. Not all money is good money. And not every opportunity should you take. Because you should be looking at the situation. You should be looking at the landscape and telling yourself, really and truly, yeah, I have full confidence in my abilities. But I ain't got much confidence in them people. So... Look at look at it from this perspective. Roberto De Matteo. They brought him in as an interim manager. De Matteo came in, won the Champions League, was fired before Christmas the next season. They are accustomed to winning things with managers and firing them. There is nothing called job security when you are at Chelsea or when you're in Chelsea. So me as a manager, because if I am Graham Potter, yes. 
I am doing very well with Brighton. But you know what could possibly come for me from doing so well with Brighton? I could have a track to the England head coaching job because well, they like Southgate now, you know how fickle those fans are and sooner or later he's going to find himself on the outs. And if I can continue to keep Brighton punching somewhere between 5th and 8th, but look at the managers above him, almost, well, sorry, not almost, none of them are English. So, no, you become the best English manager available, possibly available. And then you go off and you coach England as the new head coach. Is that opportunity still going to be there for him if he does not even last a season at Chelsea? I don't think so. Every other big club that has been, that is, well, not just in England, or let's say a middle tier club in England, no, is not going to bring in Graham Potter, not just after he got so unceremoniously dismissed at Chelsea. He could decide to leave England and go somewhere else. Do you think a team like a Sevilla or Valencia would choose to bring in Graham Potter at this point? I mean, Valencia did hire Gary Neville. We know how that one turned out. So they're probably off of Englishmen altogether. But when you look at all of these other places, all of these other teams, other situations that he could have found himself in, if he just continued to stay and build at Brighton, as opposed to the hit, that his reputation is now taken. Having struggled and l suffered now this sacking at Chelsea, this is not good for him. This is not good for him at all. He should have stayed where he was. I don't. It's not. It isn't. Yeah, I, it's not bad for him. It's not. It's not bad for him. It, it, this is not going to, to define his career as a manager because in all the things that we're discussing, people are going to look at this and see as well that there was a new administration in power. They, I mean, people are already looking at Chelsea, the, 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 the number of signings Chelsea made during the season, like the length of the contract. Like Chelsea itself is, a, is an entire discussion. It's not like this team uh, as an, well, this club as an organization has, has, uh, like been uh, uh, like covering itself in glory again to you not to use that euphemism again but still so i don't think it it, it ruins any sort of chance that Graham Potter has and you mentioned the english thing but english managers generally don't get many opportunities abroad not not generally not a lot but you you, you still have to bet on yourself when it comes and, and talking about english managers like i know this this was very very long ago but still um what's his name roy hodson back in the 90s he managed in sweden switzerland then he took over the swiss national team and from there he got his big break basically and he had to bet on himself like switzerland wasn't necessarily a powerhouse so yes the the big break after that was going to inter milan and he was at inter for a couple of years they got to the final of the uefa cup one of those years he ended up getting fired after the two or leaving whatever it was after the two years and then from there i'm not saying that that made his career took off but he still got jobs in an, in and around like after that right and the team part of the team that he built went on to win the uefa cup the next year the fact of the matter is you need to do your job still as a manager Grant potter is going to get opportunities in england he actually uh, reportedly well if reports are to be believed he's already actually turned down a job I think it was it could have been even Leicester or something like that, but he was approached already, and he said no, he's going to take some time off. Grandpa is going to get jobs. 
No, I don't think anyone thinks he's a bad manager because of this. It, 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 it might look bad that he wasn't able to do the job at a big club, but at the same time, there's no other big club that was going to try to hire Potter in any case. And the England job will still be available. It'll still be available. Well, Gareth Southgate wasn't a great manager before England hired him. Let's still be still a- isn't. Exactly, 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 <laughs> exactly. But they're trying to hold on to him with this generation, even though they're trying to phase in the whole rebuilding factor under Southgate. But man, man, just trying to deny it. Well, anyhow, um, <laughs> I, I think that England opportunity will still be available for, for Potter. I think there still will be opportunities in England. And even if even if it's not England, he may get a one a one-off opportunity somewhere else. Like I mentioned with, with Roy Hodgson or Steve McLaren and not Gary Neville. Gary Neville ain't a good. But <laughs> other like r- proper managers, basically. I, I I don't think his career is done because it is. I it was one of those opportunities that I think you have to take when 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 the big team train arrives. And I, and again, being English, a lot of these bigger clubs weren't looking. They, they don't. They're not necessarily looking for an English manager. What they're looking for is like a, a more so a former player to come back who's gone into coaching to come back and lead this team. That kind of thing, or an already established big manager. That's that's for the big teams, and then Tottenham, right? <laughs> so, I, I I really don't think it's over for Potter. And and so let me make this point. So you, you're mentioning the Brighton thing. I, Yes, he was doing a very good job at Brighton. We will both agree there, right? Um, but you have to look at the fact that Brighton, Brighton is not always going to be a manager's dream, because as as they they have they have a turnaround, a high turnaround when it comes to players. At the beginning of this season, Otto would have still been there. They lost four of their key players, Mark Cucurella, who they had brought in, and he played one good year. Then they sold him for a profit, as you know, because Chelsea came knocking, right? Mm-hmm. Besuma, Trossard, who they lost to us. Well, that would have been after um, Potter left, but still, they saw Trossard halfway through the season after after we approached them for Caicedo and they didn't want to sell Caicedo, right? And then mm-hmm. what they do, they turn around and make Caicedo sell, um, sign a bigger contract. So when they're ready to sell him, they could get more money. And then Neil Mop, well, he's a big player. Mopé is garbage, but they <laughs> lost him. They lost him. Mopé ain't a good. You know, good, but they lost him to a team who can pay more wages. So, so yeah, Ben White was a couple of years ago, Phil. I, but I was just talking about it like at the beginning of this season. But this just illustrates a point that players are always going to come in, have a short stay, and then leave Brighton because the Brighton owners are always going to want to sell. They made 137 million euros, 137.9, almost 138 million euros in transfers, outgoing transfers at the beginning of this season. What they spent. 55.73 mil. That, that's what the clubs, that's what the owner's agenda is. So as a manager, it, it has to be frustrating at some point when you can't keep holding on to the players that you're bringing in because the owners want to sell to make a profit. That's just the kind of club Brighton is. They were, they were never going to break into the top six. So if Potter saw that opportunity to be able to coach at that level with a team who is going to spend money, had to take it. It was unfortunate that it ended the way it did. But like I said, he looked kind of tactically lost too. And the man, as we've been seeing in the chat, the man looked like he aged about 20 years in that <laughs> job. He he just looked like he was not ready, but he bet on himself and I can't blame him for that. Well, 
um, Barbados MUFC, he is suggesting that Spurs and Potters just seem so well suited. I disagree. But no, we like we like Potter on here. Man. Yeah, we, yeah, we we are actually fans of Potter. We would like to see him succeed and to see him grow and develop. And there's nothing. The only thing that grows is Spurs is weeds. So <laughs> then, then there's no way that we would ever want him to go down there. He also did mention too that only one British manager has won the Premier League. That is unfortunately true. But when you have as much money knocking around in the Premier League as they do, they're not going to just take a risk on somebody like a Frank Lampard. Except for Chelsea, who then turned around and fired him. Anyway, um, all right, we have another comment that came in here. There are some clubs that know they're just stepping stones to bigger clubs. Brighton, West Ham, Southampton, insert Dutch club here, insert German clubs <laughs> below Bayern Munich. That is, that is a very, very fair statement. Because even like the Borussia Dortmunds, Dortmund has a similar um, philosophy to what you just described, AJ. Yeah, their model they, is very similar, yeah. Yeah, they, they, buy, they buy on the cheap and they sell on the expensive. But because Germany is not nearly as competitive as England, then Dortmund is able to continue to come second. And, because... and, and to that point, right, I just wanted to add as well, like, Brighton actually deserves a lot of credit as a football club, you know. Yes, they do. Because they clearly have a very good scouting team and mm-hmm. they have good enough coaches within that organization because they, they always create some gems, clearly. Like, they always find, find these gems. And, and we, we, we expect the big, the big clubs to do this because they hire, like, the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to, like, the scouting and coaching positions. But for a club like Brighton, to maintain the way that they have, even after losing Potter... I mean, it'll take a little while to steady the ship for Deserby to steady the ship, but at the same time, he's not doing badly though. And they're about to lose Matoma too. I wish it could be to us, but hey. Yeah, that that young boy is playing some really great football. But you said that it's for Deserby to steady the ship. Deserby has his men at sixth, so yeah. Is, well, yeah. I mean, he's done a meant, very good job over. He there. is. He is. I mean, in in terms of like. I just said so because he like he just came in. I mean, in terms of like like consistency throughout a couple of seasons, that's what I meant more so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we we spent the first half hour talking about Chelsea and Potter. So I don't think we need to spend as long on the the other one that I had really planned for us to talk about, and that mm. was Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers. Leicester they also joined the start party, firing FA Cup winning head coach Brendan Rodgers. Was it really time? For Rogers to go to every six, every six, <laughs> every six. To to. So we just spoke at ad nauseum at length about Brighton and and their philosophy with selling players and stuff. No, Leicester wasn't necessarily the same thing, you know. They they didn't necessarily they don't necessarily have the same turnover and sell players in this, in the manner that a Brighton would or whatnot. Yes, you could say like some of the players of age and whatnot, and it was just like a, a loss of form for a lot and stuff. And obviously, they did have to sell a few for fanners and whatnot. But I mean, they even managed to keep a keep on hold on to a player like like Yuri Tielemans, even though it seems you're about to lose him. But Brendan Rodgers just couldn't get it done. He just could not get these men to play any sort of uh, incredible football, and he has good enough footballers in that team. He has good enough talent in that team, and they just the team just looks tactically inept 
they don't necessarily attack well they don't defend well as a unit and they're not you know what they are really bad they're, they're almost terrible for real and <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if they went down and i think the owner saw that and instead of like just prolonging the pain they got rid of him finally he should have been gone long before potter though from Chelsea, that is. He should have been gone a long time, though. He should have never gotten to this. No, but the thing is, really and truly, Brendan Rodgers, for me, at this point in time, the ship is pretty much sailed, you know. There's no way Leicester is taking up, though. Leicester yeah. is as good as gone. So what's the point of, selling, of firing <laughs> Brendan Rodgers at this point? I mean, we can come to talk about the league and the table in a second, mm. but Rogers wanted firing maybe just before the World Cup. Um, he wanted firing in January. He wanted firing at a time that you could bring in somebody to actually bring something out of this out of this squad. Yeah. For all of the managers and the athletes, they have a beautiful article written on this, which I found was very, very interesting. And it helped me to pull, pull together some of the numbers for this particular segment. They said that for all the clubs that have fired managers like February and after, you know that only three of them have had any kind of benefit in terms of their league position because they fired their manager. Only three teams for the entire history of the Premier League have had an uptick of one position. It's not as if to say, well, we were in 18th, we fired the manager, and then we suddenly end up in 13th. No, you were in 18th, and probably you got to 17th, if you're lucky. But most of the teams that fired managers, they stayed round about the same position that they were in. Yes, the exception is Unai. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, to, to cleanse our palate of that, uh, we have a question in the chat. Would you guys take Madison as a backup to Odegaard or an ESR, which is Emil Smith-Rowe? You believe? Ah, uh, so okay. Let me let me be very candid here about this, right? At the beginning of this season, it was this season because last year he was on loan, right? Odegaard, he was on loan last year, and then we signed him permanently this year. Well, at the beginning of this season, yeah, because mm -hmm. he only been with us two years, and so one was loan, yeah. Before that was done. So at the beginning of this season, we were linked with three different like attacking minded players, creative players. And I won't lie to you, after what I'd seen from Odegaard last year, I, I wasn't too thrilled about bringing him back. I thought he was just too slow on the ball, he used to kill players. And never doubted his ability, I just thought he used to play too slow, especially in moments where we needed to hurry up a bit. I actually had him at the bottom of the three. At the top of that three, because the other two were Bernardo Silva, and then the one who I had on top was James Madison. I actually wanted James Madison ahead of it. And now I admit, that was the one transfer I got wrong. Everybody else in the, in the Arteta era that I said was a bad transfer, it, it proved to be true. The ones that I said were good proved to be true as well, except for Odegaard. But I did want Madison. Now, fast forward to at this point in the season. Would I want Madison at Arsenal? Possibly, yes. The thing is, I don't know if Madison would now want to come in and definitely be back up in this team. If if he's okay with being a rotation player in our team, then I'm quite fine to take Madison as as a squad player. But he would he would have to understand his role. I don't I don't I don't think at this point 
there's anyone in the team he could walk in ahead of. And that has nothing to do with his talent. It just more so has to do with the manager's preference and the way the team has gelled and molded. But I, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Your thoughts. So I did want Madison as well. I, I was a big, I can't say believer, because as much faith and enthusiasm I had for Madison back then, I've lost pretty much all of it, you know. I I think that Madison is a good player. And when Madison came in or would have come to us, we would have needed him in the squad. But no, we don't really need him. And yeah. I have been I have been more lenient as of late. As thing, as time has gone on with the mm. guys that um both Arteta and Edu have identified and brought in because they have shown the ability to get some lesser players and turn them into some absolute gems. Mm-hmm. And right now, I look at Fabio Vieira, more so than Smith Rowe, because Smith Rowe, he, we don't quite know what he's going to be. Except that he's going to be injured. That seems to be the one constant. Um, but Fabio Vieira, he has not gotten as much opportunity, I'm sure, as he would have liked. We still have an opportunity to see what he can develop into. Yeah. Madison coming in, if he's going to come in and give us the Santi Cazorla, that deep-laying playmaker, if he's going to play that role, then sure, no problem. Because right now, we have Xhaka playing that role. And mm-hmm. Madison is better than Xhaka. Except maybe in tackling because Xhaka has found a way to get some discipline into his game. Kind mm-hmm. of a lot of those stupid yellows and reds that he was picking up. So from that perspective, it's going to take some displacing of Xhaka. Mm-hmm. Madison can't come and play the party role because he is not that kind of player. So... Would I want to bring him in still? Sure. Why not? We need good players in the squad. Our squad is still relatively thin in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he will have to come out and understand that he is not going to be first choice. He has to play himself into being first choice. And that is going to take some doing. Now, um, with regards to Trossard, Trossard did come in kind of as different. A... That's different though, Phil. You want to go first or you want me? Well, yeah, I could go first on this one. I saw, I saw Trossard. He did come in kind of as a backup. But when Trossard came in, he came in right after um, Gabriel Jesus had been injured. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. we needed somebody else to come and give us something up front. Eddie Nketiah, he was doing pretty well for a while. And then... Eddie became what I always thought Eddie was, which is an okay player, but he's not good enough. He's not Arsenal standard. So Trossard coming in now, giving us the versatility because he is able to play across the entire front line. He's never going to play on the right because Saka got that place unlocked. Mm-hmm. And then you were able to see him dovetailing with uh, Martinelli and our, our, our attack suddenly burst back into life i i can't really say that he came in as a backup but he 
he didn't stay that way. He played himself then into a key rotational piece, if not a starter. But I'll let you you chime in on that one. Yeah, I, that's that is a that's not necessarily a comparable situation, Mister Big Phil. The thing is, Trossard, and I have to mention this again because on December thirty first, Ken, I told one of my best friends, Jared, I have it in the conversation still. I said. This is December 31st. I was like, yo, I would I would take Trossard in it. I would take Trossard in Arsenal. I like Trossard as a player. Just looking at his style of play. Two twos, we end up signing Trossard. So I couldn't be happier. I I I had I, I was a fan. The thing is, Phil, Trossard was always coming in as a very good squad player. Now, mind you, he may have been, he he had grown into like a key player at Brighton, but that's different from James Madison, who is supposed to be kind of like this golden boy you know how england portrays their their youth and and he's he is the talisman of leicester city he's like one of the club captains everything so to step from that role to 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 jump into arsenal to just have to accept a backup role is going to be different than a man who worked his way up basically he's like white collar blue collar you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's, it's not a comparable situation it it it's more understandable that Trossard would come into Arsenal's team with the way we were playing and be like, all right, well, yeah, I know I have to, when I get my shot, take my chances and then work my way into this team. As opposed to Madison, who's kind of, and I'm not saying that this is Madison's necessarily his, his mentality. I don't know that for sure. But in his situation, it will be harder to accept going, uh, um, being relegated to a bench role from being like the talismanic figure in a team and the, the, their main playmaker, the man who all of the, the 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 football would go through, uh, and the, the man wearing the captain's armband, that kind of thing, is it as apples and oranges. Okay, all right. So now that now that we've exhausted the conversation on the pink slips, let's look at this. Let's look at this league table, AJ. Mm -hmm. In relation to the EPL season as a whole, this season has been full of excitement for the neutral. Arsenal currently sit in the box seat still, still, for all of you who've been waiting for us to fall, still, eight points clear of Manchester City in second. And then three teams sit on 50 points, Newcastle, Tottenham and Manchester United. But of those three in on 50, Spurs has played two games more than the other two. Brighton, as we mentioned before, are on their heels on 46 points with Villa on 44 points, have played two games more. Then there's Liverpool and Brentford, Brentford, both on 43 points, and they've played one more game, and then Fulham running out the top 10. Chelsea are in 11th, tied with Fulham on points, but with a minus one goal difference to Fulham's zero. Three points separate Crystal Palace in 12th from Bournemouth in 18th, and five points from Leicester in 19th. We are set for an exciting showdown to the end of the season. What do you make of all this action? I just leave it open. You can go wherever you want to go first. Ooh. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into Arsenal discussion because there will be a lot to discuss with us. So I'm, I'm going to leave that aside, right? Yeah, because we can skip us for today. Right. With regards to every, every with regards to everything that's happening beneath us in the table, though, uh, <laughs> had to throw that in there. Okay. No, I mean it. It is. 
it is a it's a lot going on in terms of like um in terms of like races for European places. And this is something that we in the last few seasons I guess were like had grown accustomed to for for our team, like being in, in these kinds of tight races. But is it is there's a lot going on. Even for the champ I I I didn't even know if you just mentioned this. You probably did, but I my mind was just kind of real far because I was checking out the table. But I just I did not realize how close Brighton was to the top four. Even mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's crazy. That is amazing. <laughs> the most outside of that, I'm what I'm really interested at is this relegation scrap because just looking at the teams that could go down. One one of my closest friends as well is a West Ham fan, like bonafide West Ham English, English dude, English Bajan West Ham fan. So mm-hmm. for their sake, like I, I, for their sake and for, for my brother, I do not want West Ham to go down, but I think there are other teams that could go down. And I know you mentioned before that you think Leicester will, I, I still feel like Leicester could get out of there. You know? It is that tight. Nottingham Forest, I think is going to be the new QPR. With with the way that they've spent money to bring in a bring in a host of players, I think they're just going to go down to the championship and then fizzle out. I really think that they're going back down. Yeah, they, Brighton has been consistent. Um, yeah, and and this is just a personal vendetta, but I just really want Everton to go down. I I, I think Everton's time in the Premier League has expired. <laughs> I don't think the owners know what they're doing. I think this club doesn't make any sense because who who in the he double hockey sticks would look at Frank Lampard? As a man, with everything that he's actually done, and then decide that he's a man to lead your project going forward. And then so look at, I, I, I don't want to cross you, right? No, I go ahead, go want, ahead. I just want to stick a pin here because you mentioned Everton. I would like Everton to go down. Everton, we are in agreement. Everton <laughs> is so disrespectful as an organization. I want them to go down, and this, this is even before Frank Lampard. This goes back to Alisher Usmanov mm. and David Dane. When mm. they left our club and went to Everton, remember they were saying how they were going to overtake us? And I think it was like three to four years. We had Arsenal players that left us that were not good enough for us and went to Everton and then had the world of talk at Everton. No, you are not good enough go away you can go down please and yeah. thanks i don't i don't know anyone who likes everton bro all all, all of the other fans are like no one likes everton just just leave bro i care about jake's feelings jake is one of my <laughs> closest friends one of my <laughs> oldest and close dearest friends but yeah I, I i would love to get Declan rice though but you were saying you're you're looking at the table and you were saying yeah, no, I just, I think Everton is a team that could go down. Um, I just don't, it, the, I, what I would say is that I, I think Sean Dyche was actually a good hire at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, he will, I feel like he could keep them up. I don't want him to, but I feel like he could keep them up. My only wonder is how long do you keep Dyche at the helm? And also, I'm, I have to add, because I mentioned his name earlier, a lot of the reason I want Everton to go down is because I do not like Mopé, you know. I think Mopé is a is a trash player who who just... Yeah, no, I just can't stand the guy. 
I just, and 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 after what he did to Leno, and then had no remorse about it, mm. acting like he did nothing wrong. I I, I hope I, I really want Brighton to make Europe and Everton to get relegated. That for he, that's all. No, you said Sean Dyche, right? Sean Dyche to me right now is the twenty is the twenty twenties version of Sam Allardyce. He is the firefighter. He's the man that when you're about to go down, you bring him in to get you back to safety. And then when you start progressing at the table, you get rid of him to bring in somebody that's a little bit more progressive. But I I I'm not that big a fan of Dice necessarily. I I I don't like his style of football. His style of football has caused us some problems in the past, which is why I was glad that we hammered him when you know he had come in. That made me feel really good. But yeah, Everton, Everton can go. For me, the place that I really wanted to go was back at the top of the table, AJ. I, I just needed to no, make, go ahead, go ahead. I just needed to make mention of yeah. the of the fact that out for a while we were hearing that Manchester United, sorry Phil, was in the title race. Manchester United had dreams of the title because as everybody has been telling me. And probably you all season long, the expectation is that Arsenal are going to fall off. They're going to drop off. Arsenal are not going to be there at the end of the season. And it was, to me, it was disingenuous and disrespectful when we were still winning games out front like Suki King and just running (laughs) to tell me that a team that is, at that point in time, I think there were either 8 to 11 points behind us in the table. Yeah. We're still in the in the title race. When, yes, they were third, we were first and City was still second. Since then, Manchester United has lost seven of to, of to this poor Liverpool team. Okay, Phil, I'll just I'll read your comment before I go any further. Let's be clear. Only rival fans of Paul Scholes have my United in the title race. <laughs> I ain't that gullible and naive. I am glad to hear that, sir, up and on to you. Because <laughs> I don't know where they were getting this from. At the point of this recording, Manchester United have two games in hand on Arsenal and are a whopping 22 points behind the Gunners. At the time, when Manchester United was being talked about as potentially being in the title race, AJ, the number of points that they were protect, projected to score, if they had won every game from them, was 76. Mm. When last has a Premier League champion won the league with 76 points? How would they be? I didn't even know. How would they be in the title race and only score 76 points on the season? Isn't Possible, yeah, impossible, and to the Liverpool fans, you know, this is my time to stick a knife right here and on this show because I do not know where the Liverpool fans get off telling us anything at all, at all, all, all about this season. Liverpool were chasing a quadruple at one point in time, they were saying. Even though this team has done absolutely nothing all season long, they have been the well, sorry, I almost said they were the worst big team in this season. But that that title definitely goes to Chelsea because, I mean, Liverpool was ninth and Chelsea was tenth. There's no way that I can I can put that on Liverpool. But the fact still remains, 
when your manager is going to ask after the Champions League final last season, where's the final next season? But the hotel, I guess he just wanted to take the missus on a vacation because there's no way that Liverpool was going to be turning up in that game. We saw how poor they've been playing all season long. All season long. And these Liverpool fans have the audacity to unpick their teeth and tell Arsenal fans anything. Go there and polish the trophies that you've won before. But this season, your cabinet is going to look just like Tottenham's. Don't tell me anything, please and thanks. I I don't even know. I you you had Liverpool fans besides the one fan that both of us know in in the chat. I ain't calling her names, but the one who's still brighter enough to be to be making conversation instead of just studying league table position. I don't know any other Liverpool fans who have been like disrespected. Well, you know what? And that other um, uncultured Philistine on on social media, Jonathan Morley, who is just becoming even more popular week by week by ranting about Arsenal. See, this is this is the, the dark side of, of um, sports media, you know. Man just getting popular for talking foolishness every week. He and another Liverpool fan, Ken, did a big six to, um, joint 11. I had about nine Liverpool players, including Darwin I... Nunes on the left. <laughs> and Trent at right back. <laughs> and Trent at right back. The only nah, Arsenal player, the yeah, only yeah. Arsenal player in the team was was Odegaard. The only Arsenal player in the team was Odegaard. Nah, yeah, this man had to be. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Trent at right back. Trent, and Darwin Nunes on the left. Trent that be, Trent that had that became a verb in one of our chats for messing up. <laughs> I didn't even. I missed that one. <laughs> When, when did we, you you may have not been paying attention to to that particular chat, oh, but man. when when somebody's phone started malfunctioning or the the um the predictive text or the spell check was malfunctioning, you may say that it, that it was trending. <laughs> it was trending. You can tell me that. Trent Alexander Arnold at Darren Nun Darren Nunes. That in fact, I could, I could, yeah, can, let me just no. leave that. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah, that's you it. Could, yeah. So, I mean, all right, I, I have a little rant there for the, for the top of the table thing, but the, the way how this league table is shaped up, the good thing for Chelsea is that they have that nine point gap between them and Crystal Palace in 12. Mm. Because if it was not for that. Especially with the poor form that they have exhibited all season long, Chelsea easily could find themselves dragged into this relegation race. Because to to show you how tight it is, Leeds United won today. They were in the relegation zone before before the game kicked off. The yeah, yeah they've they jumped were. from 18th, <laughs> to 13th to 13th. Yeah, they're in 13th now. So, and you would look at 13th and tell yourself that you should be safe. But no, not when not when there's only three points. Yeah, boy. Between all of these these teams here. Yeah, boy. It, it it is rough in the Gideon for everybody that is you know twelve and below. All right, so we've almost been here an hour. One of the things they have planned that we were gonna talk about today, we could leave that for next week. Cause that's not that's fine. That's fine. But we can't get out of here before talking about the champions because is in this the title of today's episode mm -hmm. 
we we go from the beautiful game to the college hardwood and congratulations must go out to the lsu tigers and the yukon huskies for capturing the respective women and men's ncaa tournaments this was my first time trying to fill out a bracket for the ncaa tournament and my bracket was done before the well done in the elite eight completely oh, yeah. all my teams that i had picked to win were in yeah. the elite eight yeah it was rough <laughs> march madness has come to an end and these two programs stand at the top of college basketball but the biggest story of the weekend came from lsu's angel reese who is being called classless and all other negative pejoratives today for using a hand gesture popularized by John Cena. You can't see me. What has rankled most is that she did this in a prolonged manner in the direction of Caitlin Clark. Oh, not to mention, you know, she was pointing at the ring finger like, yeah, you know, put my ring on my hand. But the thing about Caitlin Clark is that, you know, she had done the same hand gesture just one round prayer to her opponents so aj as we get out of here is this um whole controversy overblown i i know you have the topic there right but i want you to put up big phil's comment his his last comment there oh no that dave portnoy can you know um correct he's one of the biggest hypocrites. because this this is where i'm going to start sure dave portnoy is a pompous, self-righteous Neanderthal. And he, and excuse me, but I have to say this, and he is a piece of shit. Dave Portnoy is. There's no, this man has, you know how I feel about Urban Meyer already. Yeah. Dave Portnoy, Dave Portnoy could be Urban Meyer's boss with how much of a piece of crap he is. This man has absolutely no morals as a, and he's a grown man, you know. He is a grown man. Imagine picking on a 20-year-old college student. And, and, and furthermore, he's racist. I'm going to say it. He is racist. He has proved that in the past and, 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 and said that he's uncancelable. So, he, so nobody could cancel him. And also, he did this in the past to Colin Kaepernick. And then and now is going to talk about sportsmanship and act like it's not about race. Of course, it's overblown. This is... We, we being serious here? Classless because... because because the difference is that she followed her around when Caitlin Clark was doing it, it there was no issue. Like it's, it's a part, it is a is the nature of sports generally. It's a part of the game. Well, even Caitlin Clark today, on whichever ESPN show it was, said that that Angel Reese deserves no criticism for that. But but the entire thing is being overruled because that that piece of stool who started bar stool, and and this is why I don't. This is why I don't follow that 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 um media outlet i don't follow them on any platform i don't look for any of their things and you could see the kind of people all they like to do is, is sensationalize sports media and then they get they, they make get their jollies off of that and this idiot dave portnoy this is what he does he likes to stay relevant by talking crap about people in this case a 20 year old black girl who just won a national championship yes she was over exuberant you might find it a, a bit in poor taste as, as a sportsman the fact that she followed her own but who cares she's a 20 year old college student you mean to tell me that this man this man specifically who has the emotional intelligence emotional emotional intelligence of a six-year-old 
that that at 20 years old he was any better than, than what she is now let let the girl live now let the girl live Kaylin Clark she dishes and up to now this is what's get me is when people attack someone and then for for doing something and then the victim of that of of, of who's on on the other side of of, of the entire discussion they come out and, and absolutely nullify the entire thing and say no nah, well I don't have an issue with it even even though Kaylin Clark may have had an issue with it that night or whatever she had her time to process and she came out and she's calm she said she doesn't have any issue but now nah, this man would take the Twitter and call a girl classless and a, and a POS and all sorts of listen when I tell you I cannot stand the best bone in this guy's body and, and I have to mention him because he is a he is the main proponent of all of this Ken He's the one that's fueling this. There, there was this other guy, Keith Oberman, or what, or whatnot, and and he, he he had this stuff to say. I replied to him on Twitter too. I replied to him on Twitter too because the two of them could only be idiots, and he had to backtrack on it. Not because of me, obviously, but when he learned more information about the situation, he backtracked. Ken, no, the the thing about the the race card here is that we will not know for sure whether it is about race or not. Because those who are against what she did will always deny that it's about race because they don't want to come across as racist, right? So we won't know for sure. You and I, people of our color, we are going to suspect that it is because of the lack of reciprocity when the other party does it, right? But we will never be able to, to, to fully prove that. That's just our belief. What we can prove, what we know for sure, is that this is a 20-year-old college student. 20 years old. Let the girl friggin' live. I haven't so, had a rant in a while. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I mean, if Barstool were ever planning to give us some some checks, I guess that is definitely out the window. No, I, I'll put my, I'll put my pull my cell phone and let you do it. I have I have I, I'm <laughs> not I'm not going to de degrade myself morally by doing anything with Barstool ever. I do not rate Dave Portnoy. I have I have no respect for the man. I would never work with him. Never ever in life. Understood. Understood. I mean, I was just being facetious because we don't have no calls with Barstool. Um, I get you. If if they were but if they were watching this episode, I'm sure that didn't they'll not call us now. I think I think our content either way, sorry, let me just add I think our content either way is too pure for Barstool. We don't come out and just talk crap all over the place and get views by sensationalizing stuff. So that's that's what Barstool does. So be clear. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. No, Phil, he definitely agrees with you. He says, well, it's worse that Portnoy all of a sudden wants to play a victim to something he started. That's the sort of shh you can get away with in the West. All right. I mean, that is fair. I My my response to this entire situation, I guess it's a little more measured <laughs> than yours. But I, I listened today to The Right Time with Bomani Jones. I must give credit where credit is due because I'm sure that something that he said is going to influence what I'm about to say. Um, and this is why I, I generally try not to listen or, listen or watch anything before we do our show because I like to have my own thoughts come out. And whatever I say here, I, I write my notes, I do my research, but most of the comments, most of the thoughts are mine. I can't, I don't know how much of it might be influenced by him, but anyway, here it goes. One of the things that Bo made mention of is the fact that 
when um Kate, not Caitlin, um some of the players from LSU they made mention of or i think it was the same injuries she talked about how the um iowa team had guarded had defended their opponents in the final four before the championship game mm-hmm. and like he said both said that they were defending them like there was a bunch of ben simmons's on the court they, they, were, they were literally lagging off them and inviting them to shoot the three yeah, but, I saw that. I saw. I saw mention of that on social media. Yeah. Yeah, but the the thing is, like LSU going into this game on Sunday, they're shooting nineteen percent from three. If someone is shooting nineteen percent from three, why wouldn't you let them shoot the three? Yeah, why yeah. Why would you bother to get up on them? Mm-hmm. But they said that they took it personally, just like Michael Jordan. Things that had nothing to do with them, they took it personally. I came <laughs> out here, uh, beat the bricks off of um iowa in this championship game now if you can dish it you have to be able to take it that's something that my father instilled in me as a child because i have always been quick-witted and full-mouthed and i could always take when somebody was you know firing back at me but if you can if you can dish you gotta be able to take and regardless of the point in time in the game in which caitlin clark decided to shake her hand at her opponent and then she goes up against this opponent in the game and injuries does the same if you can dish it you gotta be able to take it clearly she can take it it's just everybody else that's looking at this situation can't take it and a lot of the people who are making the commentary that she did what she did was so bad and so classless and this thing and the next thing they don't look like us, AJ. That's, that's one of the main things that come out here. They don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And whenever somebody don't look like us and they suddenly have a problem with something, it becomes a bigger issue than anything that someone that looks like them would have ever done. So when I see this, and you remember... um. I know, well, I'm hoping that you saw it, but Don Stadium, and I think she's the head coach of USC or one yeah, of those. She's a head coach somewhere, yeah. Her team, who is predominantly black, they got knocked out of the tournament. And apparently, somebody got in the media and said that they play like thugs. And Don Staley said, watch how you, the media, talk about my team and talk about my players because when you talk about them this goes far and wide and those are the kind of things then that lsu which is another predominantly black team will take personally when they're going up a team like iowa iowa state that is predominantly white i think iowa state probably has one black girl on the entire squad so you have all of this bubbling in this pot and then you have a black girl who is unapologetically black rocking her weave and all going into this championship game and maybe if you just look at the numbers it might not seem so impressive but she goes for 15 points 
10 rebounds. She has six offensive rebounds, which is more than Iowa had for the entire game. By herself, she had six offensive rebounds. And zero turnovers. Mm-hmm. Versus Kaelin Clark, who had 30 points, went 9 of 22 shooting. 8 of 19 f- from 3. Six turnovers. If you if you look at those numbers and the fact that which team won, Angel Reese had the better game. And she was gratefully crowned the best player of the tournament. And all of this, those members of the media cannot let that stand. That is why this is going to be overblown. Yes, maybe she did overdo it a bit. If you just walk in front of Caitlin Clark and just and keep it moving, maybe we don't have all of this controversy. But when she's trying to walk away from you and you're just walking behind her like, yeah, you don't want to see me, but you can't see me anyway. This this is the kind of discourse that this is going to create. And 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 let me be clear about it, right? I am I am not I, I didn't get this livid because people have take like people because people took exception to what um Angel Reese did. I know I we we've been doing this for a while. We've had many a discussion even before we started the Green Beige podcast. You know that I'm not a man who's for like the poor sportsmanship and people taunt it. Like I that's not really my game, right? I don't mm-hmm. necessarily like it. You know, I went off on Tyreek Hill for the for the mm-hmm. peace sign. I don't necessarily like that, but um it is there's a manner in which you could voice your displeasure for something without attacking the person. Mm-hmm. With that and that is my issue. How how the Portnoy specifically is how he worded his displeasure. He called her classless and a piece of... Ken, this is a 20-year-old girl, though. Mm-hmm. The porno is about 44, 45. He could have a daughter that old. For real, though? Like, I mean, he, the man has no morals. Like, he is actually a piece of crap. But but if he did have morals, you you think... You, 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 like, as a man, you would want somebody calling your daughter that? He, he's old enough to be that, that child's father. Like come on, if a, a simple a simple yeah that was that was a a, a a a that was just a bad move by injuries. Like you you could watch your displeasure in some way. Yeah, everyone they have the right to feel a kind of way because yes, it, as you said, it, it it may have seemed a, seemed a bit overblown. I I don't have a big issue with it. At, not at that level. I think mm-hmm. when you get into the pros, like you, you need to have a bit more decorum and that kind of. But even so. I'm not going to cast aspersions on your character because you do that. Like that—that's Tyreek Hill's character. Like I don't dislike Tyreek Hill because of it. I just don't like when he does that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to call—but I—I—I I, I won't go and say, well, Tyreek Hill is a bad person or he's a piece of ish because of doing. Nah, come on. Let, let's let's let us keep per, uh, um, individuals and their personalities separate from from their on court or on field personality. Don't do that. That's disgusting. That's actually disgusting. And, and it's, it's so overblown now. This man has given, him and, and others have given us so much light. It's to the point now, I'm pretty sure you saw this, where Jill Biden wants to invite Iowa to the White House. Then and that is utterly, 
Okay, she said, she, okay. She came back and said it was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke because of the backlash. She ain't, she ain't slick. She ain't slick. It was a joke because of the backlash. Because I'm pretty sure they would have wanted to do it. Uh, but then the, the <laughs> Black Twitter had their way with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, obviously she would come back and say it's a joke. No, but anyhow, I, I wouldn't get into that. I just, I'm, I'm just really disgusted by the manner in which. But then again, it is the important one. I don't know if you even saw my tweets because I replied to some of his. I quote tweeted some of his. He has been a POS for the longest time, so I guess he understands POS behavior. But leave a 20-year-old girl alone. Let her enjoy her ring, you bum. <laughs> and that is a great spot to end this episode of the Great Bears Podcast. We've been here for a little bit. We could not get out of here without talking about injuries and, you know, defend the young lady for a bit i mean we still do agree that you know maybe she could have she could have comported herself a little bit better but portnoy as phil agrees with aj he's a piece of he's a piece of spurs (laughs) so yeah that's that's where we will end our episode for this week for those of you who have been with us and active in the chat, we thank you so very much. We appreciate your time and your contributions to our show. We've had fun with you and I hope that you've had fun with us as well. We invite you as always to like this video, subscribe to our channel, tell a friend and hit that notification bell so that every time that we go live, you will be here with us. We do not take it for granted. We thank you so very much for your time tell a friend please help us to grow and as always that is aj he is the green the passionate green i am ken (laughs) i am the beige and we will see you next time